together. And as we look to the one whose this season is all centered around and is about joy to the world, the Lord is Let us Take a seat. 
Good evening. Who's excited to be here? Man, hey, I want to say good evening to those who are online as well. Glad to have you. Name is Brandon Ziski, one of the pastors here at uh, Austin Oaks Church. And we want to let you know just how grateful we are that you have decided to, to come celebrate the greatest gift, the great light, Jesus together with us. Now, I need to ask a question. Do you know that tomorrow is Christmas? Okay. How many of you still have preparations to make? Okay. All right. Like the rest of you guys who didn't raise your hand, you're like the type A people that kind of really annoy me. I love you. But it's just like you've got to give Christmas gifts. We're done in July, you know, and they're all there. But it's just like, why do we do all the things that we do in this holiday? Like all of the gifts, the wrapping, the bows. Like think about it. Like we put a tree in our house. That's just really weird. Like ugly Christmas sweaters and white elephant gifts and all the things that we do. Why do we bother with all of this stuff during this holiday season? Like, have you ever wondered or thought about how the Christian story still finds its way to be front and center on Christmas? No happy holidays. The Christian story always finds its way to be front and center. And it's actually crazy if you think about it, right? Because the story is a little out there, right? There's an angel shows up to a 14-year-old teenage girl who's a virgin. And the angel says, hey, you're going to be pregnant, and it's not going to be by your fiancé. Don't be afraid, okay? It's okay. It's going to be from God. Don't panic. And then that angel goes to her fiancé, Joseph, and says, Joseph, your fiancé, Mary, she's going to be pregnant. And it's not going to be by you. And calm down. It's not from another guy. It's from God. And then these astronomers come from a far-off land following some star. They show up. We call them the wise men. And they show up and go, hey, we brought you some gifts. And then shepherds kind of roll in onto the scene. And they go, hey, what's this all about? Angels told us to come here and check it out. Here we are. And if you think about it, 2,000 years from when that historical moment happened, our history, our calendar is organized around Christmas. No matter how much you try to push Jesus out, everything around the season centers around Jesus. He is the dividing line. And so I have to ask this question, like why does this season, like not only like instill like these nostalgic memories and hope and, and all this kind of stuff, like why does it kind of stir up like deep longings inside of us? Why do we like, look at our lives and find ourselves thinking about like, you know, what ought to be or what should be in comparison to what is real in our life. I'm convinced it's because we still know and we still feel the darkness out there. We still instinctively long for the dawning of a new day. And that's the message of Christmas is that there is a great light that has come to this world and this light overcomes the darkness. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. And to us a child is given. And to us a son is given. 
and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the great light. And all we need is just a little bit of light to cut through the darkness. And all we need is just a little bit of light to give us hope. So the question I want to leave with you right now is what will you do with this great light? In the beginning, God spoke, and there was light. A melody filled the heavens and the earth as colors and creatures pointed to their creator. In a garden, there was perfection Peace, rest, connection. Harmony filled the atmosphere as each part played its note. But then, separation, darkness, the song fell silent, the light dimmed, leaving only darkness and confusion. Who? How? We can feel it now. Heartache, addiction, war, division, sickness and fear, wandering in the dark, searching for just a glimpse of hope, some kind of sign that not all is lost. Won't someone come? My God, my God, won't you come? melody comes breaking through, breaking through the silence. Sharing the good news to shepherds, angels, and a star. 
proclaim the story is not over. A hope is coming. He brings with him a power that will eliminate the darkness forever. A light that will never go out. A peace that casts out fear. A solid foundation to stand on. A friend who will never leave. A king unlike any other. A love that will lead to the ultimate sacrifice. This indeed is good news for all. Glory, glory to God in the highest. We join the angels in the proclamation, God is with us. Come now, we are ready, wanting and needing you to come.
in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.
Would you please stand and sing with us?
Light is precious. From the very beginning of creation, light came out of darkness. And God said, let there be light, and it was so. Light has been a human need from the very beginning of time. Humanity for thousands of years built in its rhythm on the rising and the setting of the sun. Oh, how we take that for granted. Because you and I, we walk into a room that's dark and we immediately look for a light switch. Life is essential for life. Light is essential to reveal the road in front of us, the path beneath our feet. We need light to be able to expose the obstacles and the dangers in front of us. People feel safe in the light. Light and darkness, these ancient symbols resonate deep in our soul. When I was a a college student, My college buddies introduced me to a thing called splunking. How many of you know what splunking is? I'll never do it again as long as I live. Okay, I thought splunking is like going into caves. And I thought it was like, you know, one of those like caves with massive caverns. You can walk and you're all good. But no, these guys decided, hey, there's a cave we heard about up the road and we're going to go into it. And we were told that it's really, really tight. So tight that you have to like breathe in a certain way in order to get through it. I do not know why I said yes. (laughs) I went splunking with them that day. I was the last one in the pack. As we're going through the cavern, tight, tight quarters, and the next thing you know, my belt loop gets stuck on a stalactite. And I'm stuck there. I can't move. They keep going. They're not going to wait for me. They can't even do a U-turn to come help me. So I'm sitting there struggling. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm stuck. They're like, oh, you'll catch up. You'll catch up. I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, my light flickers, and it goes out. I've never experienced darkness so thick. What do you think I did in that moment? Like, what would you do, you, when you're experiencing darkness that thick? Do you not cry out for help? Like, I'm crying out for help, and all I can hear is this faint echo in the distance. I finally get my belt loop released, and yet I'm still in the dark. Even though I'm free to move, I'm terrified because I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know where they are. I can hear their voices, but I don't know if it's this way or that way or if I'm going to find some spiders along the path. But it wasn't until I finally saw a little light that I had hope. A little bit of light cuts through a whole lot of darkness. We need light. Like we instinctively hope and long for light. And that's why I love Isaiah 9, which is one of the most popular Christmas passages that is read in this season. In Isaiah 9 too, it talks about people walking in darkness and they have seen a great light. On them, a light has dawned on those living in a land of darkness. The backdrop of this story are a group of people who have chosen to put their trust and hope in something other than God to put their hope in a created and superficial light source. But we have to understand something. Like darkness has to be understood as the backdrop of Christmas because otherwise Christmas does not resonate deeply with us. 
There's something about this season where we need to be mindful again of the darkness in order for the light of Christ to actually penetrate our hearts. The people walked in darkness. It's a symbolic picture. They're not so much speaking of like the darkness around them. The darkness was in them. Everywhere they went, there was darkness. And it's not just a moral darkness. It's not just an intellectual darkness. It's a spiritual darkness as well. And because of that, because they walk in the darkness, the land around them was dark. Darkness has a way of penetrating everything. This is their story where the context of Emmanuel is given. But it's also our story. I mean, just look at what we've done as humanity in all the ways where we tried to bring light to this darkness, to try to solve the world's problems, to eradicate the darkness. Just a few hundred years ago was this thing called the Enlightenment period. The crown jewel of humanity the dawn of the scientific method, political renewal, and not only that, there is now a philosophical school of thought that says if you believe in God, you are in a darkness. We're not so different from them. They were looking for hope and light in all of these institutions and all of these things, thinking that this is going to be the way we solve the world's problems, but we still put our trust and hope in things like politics and economics and science and technology. And yes, they're good. They do some good things, but they're not good enough. Think about it. hundred years ago, people were saying, man, if we only had X, Y, and Z, then we wouldn't have these issues. We would be able to solve X, Y, and Z, but here we are with X, Y, and Z, and we're no better. Why is that? Because any manufactured light that we can create cannot change the heart. They're good. They're just not good enough. Jeremiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, says this. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. Walking in darkness. We need something more. Light only makes sense against a backdrop of darkness. And God in his abounding and steadfast and relentless love came into our darkness, gave us a sign some 2,750 years ago. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a child and his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us, the solution to all of humanity's deeds, the solution to our problems, the great light. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 750 years after that was prophesied, he's piecing these things together, and he says the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world, and he's speaking of Jesus. And we still celebrate this event some 2,000 years ago that was spoken 2,750 years ago about the Messiah. John continues to say that this light came into this world, but even his own people didn't receive him. They 
refused him. But those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. And every time I read that, I'm always like, why did they not receive him? Why did they refuse Jesus? Like, why do people still today refuse Jesus if everything we say is true of him? Well, it's because of what light does. It's because of what darkness does. Darkness conceals and light reveals. Darkness conceals and light reveals. So think about it this way, a little bit about me. I hate mirrors. I really detest them. I don't mind mirrors in the darkness because I look really good in the dark. What are you laughing at? But when the light switch is flipped on, all of a sudden I'm confronted with reality. I'm graying, I'm thinning, I see all of the imperfections, I see the things that I don't like about me. Light is revealing what the darkness was concealing. And what happens if maybe this happens internally? What if like the things inside of our minds and our hearts were revealed? Like this is so important for us to understand because this is the backdrop of the Christmas story is that Jesus as the great light came into this world to reveal the things that the darkness is concealing. God did not send his son into this world to guilt you, to shame you, or to condemn you because I know we all have things in our lives, okay? We all have things in our lives that we are afraid if they were to be exposed or revealed, what will people think of me? Will people leave me? Will I be judged? Even to the degree we start to think that maybe God is playing a cruel joke on us. But Christmas tells us that God said yes to you. He said yes to you. The real you. He knows everything about you. And yet he still sent his son for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son to us. A child is given to us. His son is Born, right? He gave us for gospel of the world. And the next verse says, not to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God says yes to you. But as Jesus said in John 3 19, this is the verdict light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. Light reveals what the darkness tries to conceal. Because he's the great light, and because he loves you, he has to reveal the darkness inside of you. He has to. Because light can only make sense against the backdrop of darkness. So think about this. Do doctors sugarcoat the results of any examination or test that they may have had on you. Let's say you go in because you have some issue and nobody knows. And they say, hey, you know what? It's not that bad. If they did that, we would consider that malpractice. But they have to tell you exactly how bad it might be. It'd be like, hey, it's worse than we thought. It's worse than we thought. But now that we know what it is, we can do something about it. Christmas is God saying, 
Your condition is worse than you thought, but that's okay. There's good news. Now that you know that, you can see why I came. Christmas is God doing something about the darkness inside of you. It's like Jesus saying to us, okay, sit down for a moment. I need to tell you this because I love you. You have a wound in your soul and in your heart, and it's fatal. And there's nothing that you can do to fix it. There's no supplements, no medicine, no diets, no nothing. And I'm not saying this to cause despair. I'm not saying this to condemn you, nor am I saying this to give you any false hope. But I have good news. I can do it. I can heal you. I can save you. I can fix it. The light reveals the darkness conceals. Not only does the light show us just how bad our condition is, it also reveals to us that we are worth more than what we thought. God so loved the world that he gave his only son no price too high that he wouldn't pay. He sacrificed himself. He laid his own life down for you, for you. Will you receive him? To those who receive him, he gave the right. Will you believe in him? You see, when the light reveals our darkness and when we choose to receive the light, we're actually agreeing with something, right? I want you to think about this. So this is actually a really good time to share this story. It's not a story. It's fictional because my wife just walked out. You'll understand exactly what I'm saying. So play along with me for a moment, okay? Let's say tomorrow you eavesdrop into the Ziski household and we, we do gifts. And let's just say my wife gave me her present to me and I unwrap it and I open it up and I discover there's two books in there. And the first book I pull out, the title is called The Keto Diet, Um, thanks, hon. And then I grab the second book and I look and the title is Overcoming Selfishness. All right. Now, let's think about this for a moment. She's not cruel. She's not being malicious. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say that they were given from a pure heart because she really, really does love me and really wants to help me out and become a better person. Now, for me to truly receive that gift... I have to agree with it, right? Because otherwise I'd be like, okay, thanks. But for me to truly receive that gift in honesty and in humility, I'm in essence agreeing. This is why people refuse Jesus because we refuse to see that we need a savior. We refuse to see the fact that our darkness is overcoming us and there's nothing we can do to change that. This is why he came. It's a gift. It's a gift. For to us, a child is given. Why? To save you. To receive it is to be honest. I need saving and humility to say, I can't do it. To us, a son is born. 
It's a gift. And because it's a gift, it's grace. It's grace. And it's amazing grace. Grace tells us that you don't earn this. Guys, gals, all the presents tomorrow that you're going to open, you didn't earn them. You did nothing to deserve it. It's a gift. You receive it. And that's the beauty of this message is that Jesus said, if you believe in my name and you receive me, you will have life. For to us, a child is given. To us, a son is born. The light of Christ revealed who God is. He's our wonderful counselor. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And he knows what's been done to you. And he still says yes to you. He's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God. Displaying his full might on the cross, dying the death that is ours, doing for us what we could not do. He's our everlasting father, willing to pay whatever price it takes for his children. He's our prince of peace. You see, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. His name is Jesus. A light has dawned. A little bit of light can cut through a whole lot of darkness. And this light does not come from within us. It has to dawn on us. It has to shine on us. So again, I ask, what will you do with this great light? Will you receive it? Or will you downplay it and continue the way you have been? Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not and cannot and will not overcome this great light.
Jesus said, I've come as a light in this world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Christmas is God saying yes to you. And I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior, to receive and believe that Jesus is the great light, that he is your life. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. I wanna ask you to receive him as your savior. It's not about being good enough or earning it, it's about receiving it in humility. If you wanna receive Jesus this evening as your great light, I wanna encourage you to pray with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I ask you to be my savior. And in this moment, I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of your amazing grace. Would you save me, Jesus? Would you be my light? Would you be my leader? I recognize my need. Guide me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And if anyone in this room prayed that prayer, two things. I would love to talk with you after the service, but first and foremost, I want to be the first one to say, welcome to the family of God. He is the light. He is everything you are looking for and longing for. And I can't think of any better way at the end of service than to symbolically spread the light of Christ to each other as a reflection of not only the gospel, but the hope that we have in Jesus.
Jesus, we thank you for being our great light, for coming and doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Now, I want to encourage you, carefully blow out those candles and then take a seat real quick. Okay? One of the traditions that we have here at Austin Oaks Church during the Christmas season is we like to um, be generous and partner with an outside organization that our church is involved with. And so this year we're partnering with Africa New Life and our heartbeat is to raise funds to be able to plant and build churches in other communities and villages in Rwanda. This allows Africa New Life to do two things. One, to be able to spread the good news of Jesus to remote parts of Rwanda, but two, it also creates and opens opportunities for these kids to get sponsored, which means they'll have an ability to get an education, to get food on the table, clothes on their back, and medical attention that would be needed. And so we want to invite you to be generous with us in this season. Um, if you go to our website, austinoakschurch.org, and you just find the give link, there will be a drop-down option to give to African New Life. Or if you so feel compelled, you can give to, um, drop off uh, your donations in one of the giving boxes in the back. We also would love to invite you um, to be part of our Christmas Day celebration via video. So don't come here tomorrow. 
Like, I'm, I'm sleeping, okay? Like, don't come here tomorrow. We have a video. But also, we do want to invite you to come um, celebrate the new year uh, and Jesus with us on January 1st. We'll have a one-voice service here at 1030. Um, and also, last but not least, there are two photo booth areas there that are great photo op times or options for you and your family because you didn't just dress up for no reason. And so I want to encourage you to go do that. Merry Christmas, be blessed, and have a good evening. Hey, Merry Christmas. Did you see my daughter? That dancer right there, that was my daughter. That's Cora. I miss Bulls. How are you doing, sweetie? Merry Christmas. Danielle. Danielle, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Glad to have you.